Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. The Choir of Man is a hit musical from Andrew Kay and Nick Dudson. It features pub tunes, folk rock, choral, and Broadway numbers. And the cast includes world-class tap dancers, poets, instrumentalists, and singers. The Cache Valley Center for the Arts is bringing the show to Logan on Saturday, and we'll be talking to three of the cast members on the program uh, today. Uh, so we bring in uh, Mark Irwin, who plays the romantic in the show. Mark Irwin, welcome to the program. Uh, hello, how are you? Good morning. Good, good morning. Uh, Jalil Burke plays the pub boar. I want to hear about that. Uh, uh, welcome to the program. Thank you. Happy to be here. And Ed Tunningley uh, plays the beast. Welcome to the program. Good morning. Thanks for having me. And uh, these gentlemen are in Logan. Uh, if we had our druthers, uh, they would be here with me in studio, but strict COVID rules with the show and appropriate those rules. Uh, they're on the phone uh, from uh, their hotel in Logan, so we're grateful to have them uh, with us. Um, so let me uh, get a little bit a little bit from your bios, and then I want to get into the show. Uh, so Mark Irwin, I understand you trained as a classical singer uh, for several years and, and appeared with uh, the 12 tenors, uh, tenors of rock, West End tenors. Um, so tell me about that training. Yeah, so I, um, I trained in uh, Ireland, where I'm from, um, for about 10 years as a classical singer. Um, and it just wasn't giving me the feels that I was needing um, when I was performing. So I took a step into musical theatre. Um, so I moved over to London and I trained there for a year. And then I started auditioning for um, various productions in the West End and, and, and Europe tours and, and different things like that. And um, I performed with the 12 Tenors, as you said. We uh, toured Europe uh, for six months. I'd done that twice in, um, consecutively, so that was quite cool. Um, and then I performed with the Tenors of Rock, and they do a lot of uh, cruise ships. They actually have a, a residency in Las Vegas at the moment as well. Um, and then the West End Tenors is actually another one of our cast members, Adam Beju. He owns that group, um, and I worked with him and his uh, guys for a couple of months as well. So, uh, training to be a classical singer, are we talking opera? Is that what you're heading toward? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, um, which is a lot tougher, I thought. So uh, <laughs> I took uh, an easier option in the, in the musical theatre. Um, it's more fun as well, to be fair, because um, you have like dancing and acting, and it's a little less serious in terms of the classical world, so it's more enjoyable, I thought. What about the singing itself? There's some differences, I would imagine. Um, there are, yeah, but in 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 um, in the long run, the classical training has actually uh, paved a good way for me to do all like show, a show like Choir of Man. For those who will come and see it, you will you will see we do a lot of genres of music from rock, and there's some slightly classical numbers in there, and pop, and everything else in between. So that training actually helps me. Um, perform in those in those styles of uh, music a lot better just because of my training well we'll return to some of this uh, Jalil Burke um, uh, tell me a little bit about your background yes yeah, so I actually started training classical music as well when I went to college I went for a few years and similar story as Mark I enjoyed musical theater as well and I also enjoyed dancing so I made the transition to musical theater a few years later uh, I went to Hofstra University in New York for my first year, and then I decided that I wanted to do something that fully fulfilled me, which was musical theater, so I just started auditioning for things, and it was a long road, a lot of no's, but it took some time, and then I started booking professional things, and now I'm here with the Choir of Men. 
Oh, wonderful, wonderful. And you say in your bio, you you uh, say theater is back! Exclamation uh, point. That's a, kind of a long COVID layoff, I, I think. Yeah, it was a rough time, especially being from New York. I really felt the absence of theater. It really made a difference in my life, and it actually inspired me to pursue. Um, I'm currently getting my bachelor's degree in entertainment business, so I can be a part of the change that is happening in the theater throughout the pandemic. So that theater being back really has made the difference, and it really has brought a lot of joy to me to be a part of Choir of Men as well. So theater business, and you you, you talk about change. So it's, you feel positive changes are coming? Uh, yes, there is a lot of change happening uh, throughout Broadway, throughout the West End, throughout every aspect of theater right now with uh, diversity and inclusion, um, hitting a lot of gaps in the industry where people were not being supported or other, other people who don't have the opportunity. The opportunities are being made more accessible for people throughout the industry. So there's a lot of change happening, and it's for the better. And I'm hoping to be a part of it as well as we continue it. Yeah, that's, that's a good illustration of the fact. I think we've all experienced this. There's some silver lining here, right? We are learning some lessons in many fields. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me turn to Ed Tunningly, uh, who plays the Beast in this production. Um, yeah, so uh, tell me a, bit, a little bit about your background. Uh, yeah, so um, I've kind of uh, started playing uh, instruments at probably about the age of five or six. Um, started with the uh, piano, but very quickly realized that uh, I was going to be a guitarist instead. Picked up the guitar for the first time, I think, about the age of six, and then probably started kind of knuckling down with it uh, when I was about nine. And then, um, but, but all that time I was also doing kind of amateur theater locally and um, was always singing and dancing. Um, my parents liked to keep me very busy as a kid. Uh, and then, yeah, just as went through teenage years, started playing in bands, started writing my music, and um, and started kind of performing a lot more to then realize that, yeah, it's probably the route I want to go down. Went to the Guildford School of Acting um, to study musical theater and spent a lot of time there also with the actor, music, uh, actor musicians um, that were also training and playing in bands and playing in kind of house bands and things like that. Um, and then, yeah, I was lucky enough to... Uh, to come across this show pretty soon after graduating and have been with it ever since, really. Uh, I read here you're co-producer and head of movement for the actor-musician company Jupiter Theatre. Uh, yeah, so um, we are, at the minute, we're a, a, an actor-musician kind of Shakespeare company. Um, we did a tour of Twelfth Night uh, around the UK last summer, um, and I kind of, yeah, I, I head up the, um, the movement and the combat. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's just good fun. And then we write the score um, so that the whole thing's kind of played through. Um, I also played uh, Sir Toby in Twelfth Night last year with them as well. Very, uh, so uh, combat, you, you uh, I guess, sword fighting and such? Yeah, so um, while I was at drama school, uh, we had the opportunity to train uh, in kind of stage combat, and I really took a, a shining to it um, and have done a lot of training since. And um, when we were starting the company, we found that we, we we thought that combat was quite a, especially with Shakespeare, a very important part because it's so prevalent in Shakespeare. Um, and so we work with a company in the UK called Sword and Scoundrel who uh, come and help us with all the combat side and we really make sure that the combat is as 
to a, as high a standard and safety as well as it can be. Um, and it can really just lift the production when when you see an audience kind of look and go, is that safe? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so kind of, um, it can be so shocking and in your face sometimes. So the, the, so you, you want the audience to kind of be on edge, but of course it has to be safe. Well, it's a fine line between um, feeling that there's the reality of this is a, this is a, a fight, but also they're not worried that, yeah, an actor's going to lose a limb. Yeah. Because then that makes them uncomfortable. Yeah, that, that'd be bad. <laughs> um, there, there are limits to what you're willing to do for your art, I guess, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to talk to, uh, to you, and I noticed, uh, and well, Mark Irwin uh, mentioned this as well. Uh, so you, Ed Tominelli, you've uh, you played in the Choir of Man many different areas, including on uh, on a cruise ship. Tell me about that experience. Yeah, so um, myself and Mark, we uh, were on the inaugural cast for the Norwegian cruise line uh, Encore that launched in uh, the kind of winter of 2019. Um, and uh, so we, we went out and joined the ship in Germany. Um, where it was still being built, and then did all the inauguration and the christening ceremony and everything, um, which was a really great experience. Also, to have a slightly different experience for a ship of it, it being a brand new ship, um, and, and also the, the the choir of man is goes down really really well on ships, um, and uh, we had I mean we had a great time. Uh, is the is the audience different? Uh, I guess in what ways is the audience different on a cruise ship? I've always found if you're if you're in a theatre, especially in a hub like London, where there's a lot of theatre, a lot of the audiences are going with a... Uh, they're they're, they're theatre people. They're people that go to the theatre, even if not regularly, have been to the theatre before uh, a fair few times. I feel sometimes with cruise ships, it's you get a lot more kind of regular people who maybe theatre's not a, a, a more regular part of their life. And with a show like Wire of Man that really is... It is so. It, I mean, it's so much fun and, and is enjoyed quite universally. That that can be very accessible for people who aren't used to theatre in the same way. Um, and and that's I think what we really experienced with with audiences and seeing people kind of getting their first experience with theatre and really enjoying it um, was just really special to see. Mark Irwin, what what would you say about uh, performing for audience at a cruise ship? Yeah, I really enjoy. I've worked on cruise ships um, for about four years now. I do a thing called with the, the tenors of rock, like I mentioned, and the West End tenors. Um, so I've done various uh, cruise lines um, over the last four years. Um, and like Ed said, you don't you get a lot of people who, because when, when passengers come on a cruise, um, everything is, is included, including theatre. So they don't have to actually pay for the tickets. It's all included in the price of their um, excursion and holiday. So they come along because it's kind of there for them, not because, as Ed said, in London or Broadway or even, you know, this week in Logan, people want to come and they pay to come and see um, the show. People are coming because it's it's there. It's an opportunity to go and, and see maybe what's on on the stage that evening. And, and nine times out of ten, because of how Choir of Man is kind of as a show, people love it and people come back four or five times. Like, we've had people... Um, I'm sure Ed will agree, on the cruise that had come back to the cruise ship a couple of times just to see the show. So they were no longer coming on the cruise to holiday, they were, they were coming back to see the Choir of Man show. So it was quite a special thing because you were kind of, you felt kind of a part of the fact that they were coming back to the cruise ship. So it was quite, it was quite a nice feeling. Uh, so uh, Jalil Burke, I don't know if you've ever performed on a cruise ship. 
I have, actually. I was on a cruise ship uh, right before the pandemic, actually. I got off the week before everything shut down. Uh, but I was on the Norwegian Escape doing After Midnight, and that was where I saw a choir of man for the first time. And I made friends with all of the guys that were in the show. I was pretty much there every week. <laughs> and through seeing that show, I met one of the gentlemen, Sam Beveridge, who got me in contact with Nick to be a part of this production. And I'm forever grateful. I've always, I watch the show every weekend and I was like, oh, I would love to be a part of the show, but all of the gentlemen obviously were from the UK, but the stars aligned and I was able to be a part of this production. Uh, how, how's that going? Uh, everybody's from the UK, uh, except you. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. The guys are, this is probably, probably the most supportive cast I've ever been in. Um, I was cast, I think I probably was the last person cast in the show, and I was brought over to London actually for a week of rehearsals, and as, as the guys have said, pretty much everyone has done the show before except me and Adam, so they kind of were just going through a refreshment course for the show, and then they were plugging us into the show in about five days of rehearsal, I think, and then we left for the holidays, and now we're here taking the show at the Cash Valley Arts Center. And it is it has been a whirlwind, but the support of the cast and the creative team has really made the difference, and I'm having a grand time. Oh, it's wonderful. Oh, I've uh, maybe spent too much time on the cruise ship thing, but uh, it's interesting to me. Uh, but before we jump into the show, we'll, uh, after this question, we'll take a break and jump into the show. Um, but uh, maybe I'll start with you, uh, Jalil. Um, most interesting venue you've played? Have you played in any, you know, off, off, off Broadway uh, most interesting venue. Tell me about it. Uh, I have I actually yes. <laughs> when I was in college, I did. There was this touring production of Shrek out of this theater in Long Island, and somehow we were able to perform at the St. George in Staten Island. I believe it's considered an off-off Broadway theater. It was a huge theater. It's. Honestly, it might be the size of some smaller Broadway theaters, and we were doing this very small uh, production of Shrek for kids, and it was this about thousand, a thousand seat theater with a bunch of screaming toddlers <laughs> doing a production of Shrek, and that was probably the most amazing venue that I performed at. But it's just hilarious that it was just a small, such a small theater production for children <laughs> yeah <laughs> you use the word amazing the screaming toddlers it was <laughs> i guess the, you, you the show must go on right yeah yeah it was kind of a surreal experience <laughs> yeah ed tunningly uh most interesting venue so when i first graduated i was um cast in a production of joseph and his amazing technicolor dreamcoat that was doing a uk tour uh, we went all over the place um in the uk but there was a venue down on the south coast in Kent um, called the Leescliff Hall, which is in a little town called Folkestone. Um, and the venue is actually built into the cliffside. Um, so you've kind of, the, the entrance of the venue looks like a little pavilion at the top. And then you go down and from the dressing rooms, you can actually see out to sea and it's built into the side of the cliff. It does look like some kind of weird Bond villain lair, but it's a really cool, a really cool kind of um almost concept for a venue. And uh, uh, Mark Irwin, most interesting venue. Yeah, I, when I was on tour with the 12 Tenors, um, we got to perform in a salt mine. Um, oh. So we had to put our hard hats on and go down in the darkness to um, what was 
incredible venue, but it went really, really far back. It was quite narrow, so I think there was a thousand or thousand two hundred people um, watching, and it was so far back because the the mine was so narrow. They had to have like massive screens either side of the stage. But that was a really cool experience because it took I think two and a half hours to get all the um, the customers down to watch the show. Um, so it was, re- but it was really, really cool, and it was one of the most hardest venues to sound check in the world because it was obviously underground. Well, that's amazing. So, so everybody puts on their hard hat and files down? Literally, as if you're going down to, to, to mime yourself. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Pro- probably never have that again. No, but it was an experience I'll never forget as well. Yeah. Well, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll uh, let's jump into the show and uh, talk about the plot and the, the, the music. Um, it's the Choir of Man. It's hit musical. Uh, that is uh, features pub tunes, folk rock, um, choral, Broadway numbers, and we have three members of the cast who will be performing on Saturday in Logan, being presented by the Cash Valley Center for the Arts, and you can go to Cash Arts. Um, let me pull this up to make sure I've got the right uh, website here. Um, yeah, go to Cash Arts, and uh, you get your tickets there. Uh, so that is on Saturday at the Ellen Eccles Theater in downtown Logan. And uh, the three cast members are Mark Irwin, Jalil Burke, and Ed Tunningley. We'll have more following this. Support for Utah Public Radio comes from listeners like you. And the Cache Valley Center for the Arts, presenting the Choir of Man, featuring music and dance including pop, classic rock, folk, Broadway, and more. January 8th at 7.30 p.m. in the Ellen Eccles Theater. Information at cashearts.org. Lyman Felt is just waking up from the dream he called his life. I'm where? Clearhaven Memorial Hospital. Only to find his worst nightmare has become a reality. I've been looking into bigamy, Tom. <laughs> They've met, Lyman. The Ride Down Mount Morgan by Arthur Miller, starring Brian Cox. Next time on L.A. Theatre Works. Tune in Friday night at 9 here on Utah Public Radio. Sasha Sagan, daughter of the famous astronomer Carl, is here to shake you out of the same old, same old. She admits it can be hard to sustain an attitude of wonder, but if you can manage to do it a little more than you do now, you will find it's really worth the effort. I think there's so much space for wonder and awe in that which is evidence-based. A feature interview with Sasha Sagan on Tapestry. Friday morning at 10 on Utah Public Radio. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. The Choir of Man is a hit musical from Andrew Kay and Nick Dudson. Features pub tunes, folk, rock, choral, and Broadway numbers. The cast includes world-class tap dancers, poets, instrumentalists, and singers. Cash Valley Center for the Arts is bringing the show to Logan. That'll be on Saturday. And we're talking with three of the cast members. Mark Irwin, who plays the Romantic. Jalil Burke, who plays the pub bore. And Ed Tunningley, who plays the Beast. And they're joining us from their hotel rooms in Logan. COVID rules prevent us from all being together in studio here, but, uh, of course, understandable. We want to keep everybody safe. And uh, and COVID rules uh, apply uh, when you go to the theater. They're trying to keep, keep you safe there. Uh, CashArts.org is a place to go for tickets. CashArts.org. Before we jump into description of the show, uh, I want to play just some snippets of a couple of songs Uh and the, these are mostly uh, uh, covers. They're interesting. Um, so let me, I'll just play a couple of these here. This is from uh, choiroofman.com. You can, uh, 
you can tool over there if you're interested. So let's hear just a snippet of uh, one of these here. So a couple songs there, uh, of course, Adele's uh, Hello, uh, <laughs> whoever was on the recording was killing it there, and the, the wonderful uh, tight harmony vocals, I guess that's, uh, that's one of the main attractions of the show. Well, let, let's jump, Mark Irwin, I don't know if you want to tell us the, the brief outline of the, of, the, of the plot of the show. Yeah, so basically it's about um, nine uh, normal guys, um, we all go by our own names in the show, so... I go by Mark and Ed by Ed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and we have kind of little, um, I suppose, <laughs> trait names. So I play the romantic, and I actually I'm the guy who sings um, "Hello" by Adele. Um, but although that's not me on the on the tape, that's the original guy Johnny, um, who's also Irish. But it's about um, <clears throat> it's set in a pub, be it Irish or English, um, depending on I suppose how many Irish and English people are in the cast. Um, but it's set in a pub and. It's about nine guys who get together and we sing songs, we dance, we have a laugh. It's about inclusion and diversity and, you know, it's a safe space. Um, there's a kind of underlining message throughout the show. We have a guy called, an Irish guy called Connor who plays the poet and he kind of interlocks all the songs together with some speeches in, throughout the show and... Um, yeah, it's basically about, um, there's a, like a nice little underlying message about like mental health and, you know, it's okay to not be okay and you've got, to, we've got, we, we're there to support each other um, throughout the show and like there's moments where, you know, my character uh, is he's feeling down for whatever reason um, and the guys are there and they pick me up and yeah, no, it's a really, really good, fun-filled show and um yeah, it's, the main message is uh, inclusion and uh, diversity and just honesty as well. So I'm uh, reading from a review of uh, the show, uh, uh, London Performances. Uh, the writer says, Some pubs have a football team, others a darts team. The Jungle, that's the name of the pub, uh, has a choir, a nine-strong cast of the choir of men plus an excellent live band. Admittedly, uh, the writer goes on, the titular choir are a lot cleaner, better dressed, and decidedly more good-looking than your usual group of pub regulars. <laughs> so, uh, so compliments to the cast. Jalil Burke, um, tell me about your, your character, the pub boar. Yes, so I play the pub boar, which is, it's the guy in the pub that has his stories from his from his years of when he felt he was at his peak. Um, I'm I have a thing with the hard man who's played by Adam, and I'm just constantly trying to be his friend throughout the show, trying to reminisce about my good times with him. Um, I also have 
I'm the, I have the persona of a person who maybe never made it professionally as a singer, but always was trying their best. Like probably, I feel like the pub board was always at a karaoke bar or something like that, just living his best as he's drinking. So that's kind of my character. It's kind of the, um, the person who's always reminiscing and is just there for a good time. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you feel like, I don't know, you know, the, the English pub is not what you would have experienced in New York, et cetera, but uh, the, you know, the tavern, the local bar, is, <laughs> recreates the life uh, accurately, do you think? Yeah, it definitely does. There's a, the main difference that I've noticed between uh, bars and or taverns in the U.S. differing from a pub in the U.K., is the the feeling of camaraderie specifically with the jungle there's they're a family like there are moments where everyone's having fun we're dancing we're drinking we're having fun but then there are also moments like mark said where his character is feeling down and we're there for the, there for him uh we notice if something is off with someone and we try to bring them back to being themselves let them talk about what they're going through and things like that it's it's a wonderful experience honestly it it really is. And tellingly, before I have you tell me about your character, the Beast, uh, maybe talk to me about the about the about the pub, pub life, that that community. Yeah, in in the UK, the pub is is a very social space. Um, everyone has their kind of local pub that they grew up going to, and you would meet your friends down the pub once you obviously once you were of age. But um, and and all generations are at the pub, and all generations at a local pub, we'll kind of know each other and kind of get on. And um, it, it's a real place to commune. Um, and it's always... There's, there's a bit of a saying in the UK that no matter what it is, put the kettle on, have a cup of tea. And the pub kind of functions like that as well. It's You're feeling down, you're feeling good, you want to celebrate, you want to kind of just um, get together and, and, and feel better. The pub is, is, is a real place you can go and, and feel that kind of community and feel, feel welcome and, and, and safe. So tell me about the beast. So the beast is your typical kind of big softy. He's um, um, I'm a decently big guy with long hair, the beard. Um, I sit in the corner and play guitar for a lot of the show. Um, but it's that someone you'd see on the street and go, well, they they maybe look a little intimidating, but actually at heart a real softy and a real kind of um, yeah, a, a sweetheart really. Um, Mark Herman, I want to talk to you about pubs. Is there a difference between an Irish pub and an English pub? Um, not really. Um, it's that same thing. I, I suppose the only difference, um, and it's kind of like what we do in the show here, the only difference is in Ireland you have a lot of pubs that you can go down um, on, on various nights and there's live traditional music and you could, if, even if, you, if you've never played in that pub before, you can walk in, you can bring your guitar or your bowron or whatever it is, your fiddle, your violin, and you can join in. And you're, you're welcomed into the group. Um, I started going to a, a local pub where I'm from and bringing my guitar and kind of didn't really know anybody, anybody to begin with. And it, it was every Thursday evening and you would just kind of jam. Um, and even if you didn't know the song, you would just sit there and you'd maybe pick up a couple of the chords and you'd, you'd jam along. Um, that's the probably real difference in terms of the pubs, because I actually live in London now. I've li- I lived in London for seven years. Um, the difference in the pubs in London and in Ireland is that the live music aspect in Ireland is, is massive. And we kind of that's kind of replicated then in, in the jungle, in the Choir of Man show. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk to each of you. I'll, t- I'll start with Mark Irwin on, on this one. 
Um, so that sense of community that we've been talking about, in, in specifically in the pub, because that's where the, the show is set, um, we, we all lost that for, I don't know, months, a year, you know, with, with COVID. Um, Mark, tell me what was that was like for you. Be a massive pub goer now, just because of 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 um of being so busy with uh, with performing and stuff. But um yeah, it's been about two years, and and especially in Ireland now, is it's still not doing too well. And I even noticed there just through social media and stuff over the last couple of months, um there's more and more pubs um in my hometown shutting down um kind of temporarily, and there's some actually shutting down permanently, which is quite sad. And we kind of touch on that in the show as well about there's a speech that um, our poet says and about how many pubs have closed due to COVID and it is quite sad and like as Ed was saying you you go it's like you go to meet your friends there and you know some some of my friends who live in Ireland when I go home to visit you know they're busy with their lives and their working lives and you know family life and stuff and what used to be I'd go home and me and all the guys and the girls, we'd go and we'd meet in the pub and we'd have like a couple of drinks and it's more of a catch-up thing. That's kind of not happening now. Um, so I'm actually missing out and seeing a lot of my friends because of, of of that, because they're just as busy doing something else now. And yeah, it is quite sad to see, especially I know my where I come from in Mullingar, um, it's called in Ireland, um, it's quite a small town and everybody kind of knows everybody and I, it's, it's, I have a lot of friends who own pubs and stuff and to see them having to shut their doors it's quite sad you know because they've been open for such a long long time and especially some of the pubs have been handed down like from father to son and to see them close and now just because of what's going on it's quite sad Jalil Burke um, I don't know what your social networks were but I'm sure that you know the, you were without them for a while uh, during during the pandemic how did you deal with that? still live at home with my parents back home in New York, so it was, wasn't was too bad. I still had my family close by with me. Um, I connected with my fi- with my extended family and friends through, like, Zoom and house party. We would get on and just catch up, have game nights or things like that. Um, I also would connect with some of my theater friends. I started, taught myself how to edit videos, so we would record duets or songs together, and then I would take the videos and edit them together and put them on my YouTube page. That was kind of how I stay connected with them, and it was a good time. And every, when things got a little better, like over the summer, we would try to go on little trips, like to the Poconos or something like that, just to reconvene and really feel grounded again, because I'm a very family-oriented friend, and pretty much anyone that I meet becomes my family. So it's very important for me to stay connected with them. But I'm very happy that things are opening up and things are getting better so I'm able to see my friends again and it's it feels much better. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Um even with the omicron surge, I guess uh, hopefully things will, will stay okay. Um Yeah. Uh Ed Tunningly, uh, what about you? During the height of uh, of COVID, uh how did you stay connected? Yeah, in a similar way, it's it was kind of um I think everyone had to go a bit online really and uh, it was regular zoom quizzes and um and facetiming friends and all that I'm, i was quite lucky when um the lockdown hit i'm from a very big family i'm one of five children and three of us came home um with, with various partners as well so i, I was in a, a fairly busy household isolating with with a, a decent number of people um for lockdown but yeah it, it was it was having to 
it was having to make that extra effort to to reach out to the people you wanted to reach out to and and and, and keep that active communication i think sometimes when we were before that before before the lockdown happened it was easy sometimes to take for granted um that you could just pop and see your friend if you wanted to see them whereas if you can't do that it was about making that extra effort and picking up the phone and having that FaceTime or organizing that Zoom quiz. And, uh, of course, oh, by the way, um, you know, the way you made your living, um, I assume took a hit. Theater productions, you know, shuttered and uh, and the like. Yeah, it was um, the, the whole industry kind of ground to a halt. Mark and myself were actually, we were on a ship when lockdown hit. Um, and um, a couple of... Uh, a couple of uh, a week or so, we were we were on the ship before we managed to get home, and um, but there was there was no kind of real performing work. Um, a couple of my music groups, we managed to put some videos together and we managed to, to release some content and write some content. But apart from that, you kind of had to find different ways of of getting by. And uh, I mean, I delivered pizzas during the lockdown because that was one of the the real jobs that was still going. Um, but it was about kind of keeping the keeping the drive to know that you were going to get back to it once once theaters reopened hmm. mark Irwin, tell me about that you're uh i don't know if the word was stranded you're you're on the cruise ship you're just trying to get back yeah so i, I believe if uh, you can correct me if i'm wrong i believe we were kind of we weren't stranded at sea like like a lot of ships were we were just we were docked in miami for about two to three weeks but we couldn't get off the ship um and it got to the stage where like a lot of food supply couldn't come on the ship so the, the, you could see the food kind of getting rationed a little bit um, throughout those couple of weeks, uh, and even though we we had nice weather and like we were on the pool deck and it was all great, we were really concerned about actually getting home because every day we would check um, in in downstairs and it would kind of be a list of what airports around the world were closing, and you were just hoping that you wouldn't see Ireland or England um, pop up on that on that board. So we were we were quite lucky. Um, to get home and we did um, and it was just uh, the most bizarre thing to come home to because what, what we had seen we had only ever seen what was on the news and kind of what we chose to look at etc but um, coming home to it was a lot different but like it I, I, I went and got a job I worked on a building site for a year um, which was eye-opening but equally it made me really appreciate now that I'm able to travel again and, and do what I love doing. Jill Burke, uh, I wonder any adjustments you've had to make, and, th- and then uh, after that, I want to return to this idea of lessons we can learn for the arts and, and for Broadway specifically. Uh, yes, I was on. A, I luckily got home right before the lockdown started, so I was just at home with my family. But then, when things did open back up, and theater was not happening yet, I did have to go back to waiting tables, which was my survival job throughout the pandemic. So that was how I got by. Yeah. Now, earlier you said you were you're getting a degree in it's what, arts management or arts business. What, what yes. was it? Um, with, with the idea that uh, let's take forward some lessons we've learned in the arts from from uh, the pandemic. Uh, maybe talk a little bit more about that. Yes, uh, there have been countless um, organizations that have come to light that have um, started to bring the opportunities to um, disenfranchised groups of people. Um, I became part of a group of friends from back where I'm 
back where I'm from in Long Island, where we had meetings with some of the theater, um, amateur theaters that we used to work at to bring, bring up the issues of diversity and inclusion throughout the area of Long Island to uh, make it a safer space for performers. We've had a lot of issues with some theaters across Long Island, but there is some great change that is happening, and that was what inspired me to go back to school to get my degree, because I would love to, some point down the road, become maybe a casting director or a talent agent and truly work for my clients rather than be focused on my bottom dollar. Um, I've seen a lot of people be taken advantage of in the industry from sheer um, misinformation or just not being informed of how to properly navigate your career. So there, there are the opportunities that are that are being opened up now. I have a lot of friends who are having like coaching sessions with people to give them the basics of just how to take on the industry, especially being um, a person of color. A lot of us don't have the funding or the support from our families financially or even emotionally to be able to pursue the arts. So I, I've been helping a lot of friends with that. Um, giving them the resources that I had growing up and to be able to perform and successfully be able to, like, maintain a career and also be mentally stable enough because it is a taxing industry that we are in. We hear a lot of no's. There's a lot of moving around. Um, Like, we're on tour for two and a half months away from our families. So it's, it's a lot that goes into it, and I'm happy that the change is happening in the theater theater industry now, that people are being informed and people are being supported in order to come into this great industry that we know and love and hope that will be around forever. Yeah, yeah, great, great plans there. And I, and I trust, Mark and Ed, you, you're being appropriately nice to Jalil because he may be the casting director in the future, so... <laughs> Yeah. Very, 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 very good. Well, let's take another break. When we come back, uh, I'll just alert you, gentlemen. Uh, one of my favorite questions for performers is that uh, most performers have at least one production where things went wrong, and then how do you handle that? Uh, the, those make for some great stories. So be thinking about that. I'll, I'll ask you that after the after the break. We're talking with uh, three cast members for the Choir of Man. That's a hit musical, uh, and it's uh, on an American tour uh, here in the U.S. And uh, on Saturday, you have a chance, if you're in the Logan area, to see this production. Cash Valley Center for the Arts is bringing the show to Logan. You can go to cashearts.org uh, to get tickets. And uh, we're talking with uh, Mark Irwin, Jalil Burke, and uh, Ed Tunningly, uh, who uh, perform in this uh, production. And we'll have more following this uh, break. This is Science by the Slice. Washing hands with soap and water deters the spread of pathogens, including the virus that causes COVID-19. Soap breaks down each virus particle's fatty membrane, such as dishwashing liquid, cleans greasy pans. When soap and water aren't available, hand sanitizer is the next best tool. USU chemists are making their own sanitizer using World Health Organization formulas, which include ethanol or isopropyl alcohol. They say formulas with methanol should be avoided, as methanol is poisonous if accidentally ingested. This segment of Science by the Slice is brought to you by the USU College of Science, offering degree programs in the sciences and mathematics. Details at usu.edu science.
Thanks for listening to Access Utah. We've reached our last segment now with uh, three cast members from the Choir of Man, that's hit musical, which is coming to uh, Logan. Cash Valley Center for the Arts is bringing the show to Logan, and that'll be at the Ellen Echo Theater in downtown Logan on Saturday. Tickets available. You can go to cashearts.org to get uh, those tickets. And we're talking with Mark Irwin, who plays the Romantic, Jalil Burke, who plays the Pub Boar, and Ed Tunningly, who plays the Beast in this production of The Choir of Man. Um, so let me start with uh, Mark Irwin. Gave you just a little bit of time to think about this. Uh, it, was there a production that uh, where things went wrong, and, and how did you deal with it? Um, I mean, I've been lucky enough for like nothing drastic to go wrong in a production, but um, quite recently over the summer, uh, there was an incident when I was doing the show Choir of Man, and I was setting up to um, sing my song, Hello, and for whatever reason, my microphone uh, wasn't turned on at the start of the number, um, and a sheer panic set over me. But we have a thing, in, in and it's, a, it's in a lot of shows, we have what's called a, a God mic, and it's a handheld microphone that's kind of set somewhere on on a stage for the occasion where someone's microphone goes down, and so you go and you grab this microphone and and you sing into it, and that's you know, that's how you continue on until you get a chance to leave the stage to get your mic fixed. And for me, at the start of the song, I'm sat on the bar, and there's a couple of like um, taps where we we serve beer from behind me. And in my head, I was I was mouthing the words, but no sound was coming out. And all the other guys are um, doing this like slow motion movement around me um, and singing their 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 uh, harmony. And I thought the microphone is behind me, but it's under the bar. So I done the most ungraceful kind of like backward flip <laughs> over the bar and down onto the ground. I scrambled to try and find the microphone. I found it, and as soon as I found it, my mic, my actual mic, came live. Um, and in hindsight, I probably should have grabbed the microphone and continued to pretend that at least this is why I was going behind the bar. And But I didn't, so I did the most awkward kind of like slow rise up behind the bar to continue singing the song. Um, it wasn't really like, it wasn't drastic, but in in the moment, it you, 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 a sheer panic, and the guys would agree with me. You just get this like heat wave of panic come over your whole body and you just don't know what to do but um i managed to i managed to cover it well but for me luckily enough that's kind of the only like really bad thing that's probably happened to me um touch wood um when performing yeah yeah you got to think fast got <laughs> yeah fast. uh jalil burke is there any a, any production or anything where something went wrong you had to think fast i at the moment i can't think of anything that went wrong for me. However, there was a few years ago, I was in a production of Mamma Mia, and we had made it through the show. It was our maybe our second weekend of shows, and we're doing the finale, like the mega mix, which is like the like last number. And one of my really close friends dislocated his knee during the dance. Oh, boy. And we were on stage dancing, and I usually like have a moment with him where I look across the stage, and I looked across, and he wasn't there. So I was like looking around in the wings while trying to like keep interacting with the audience during the number, and then I see him just sitting on the floor. So I like try to get to, like try to get the attention of the stage manager, and I tell them to like go over there because I the next part of the number I was in the front, so I couldn't leave and go check on him because it would have been obvious so we're just standing there still dancing and singing these abba tunes and we just hear him screaming in the wings in pain and we're just trying to keep a brave face and we're all mortified because 
did such a small show, so we were all very close. And we were able to finish the show. No one in the audience had any idea, which was amazing to me because I thought you could hear him screaming over us singing. Um, but we were able to get him to the hospital. He was fine. Our director had to rush in on a train. He was, like, in the city. He rushed in on the train. We, like, refreshed him on the show, and he went on for the role the next day for the rest of the weekend. That was probably the craziest onstage experience I've had. Yeah. <laughs> wow, and it, it, thankful it wasn't you. That's, uh, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Ed Tunningly, do uh, you have any... Uh, a story where things went wrong? Yeah, so mine actually happened to me at drama school. Um, our big kind of final show, we did Cats. Um, and there's a bit at the very beginning of Cats where all the cats are in the audience and they're all looking around um, during the overture. And um, I was up in the balcony. Um, and it, it's just the, cat, the classic case of you, you get on stage, you get pumped with adrenaline, and, um, and, and you just go so... Like, you you go further than you would do in rehearsal sometimes just because that adrenaline's pushing you to go. So we're all running around, we're all looking around, people trying to jump people in the audience, trying to scare people. And then as I ran back out towards the door to go back down to the stage, um, I collided with a fire extinguisher. And the two prongs of the fire extinguisher went into my thigh. Um, oh collided into my thigh. Luckily, didn't pierce the skin or anything, but um, my whole leg went completely dead. And... Um, Cats is not quite the show you can sit down for, unfortunately. So um, I then had to do the rest of the show. Uh, and every time I came off stage, I was having to come off stage multiple times per scene to ice pack my leg uh, and to, to see when I could take my next dose of painkillers. Um, and it was a matinee day, and that was at the first show as well. So had to then do two shows. Luckily, it was our last day, so I got a day off the next day. Um, but... Um, the show must go on, and uh, you've just got to kind of suffer for the art sometimes, yeah. I suppose. Wow, you cover the best you can. Like, like you say, the show must go on, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, th thanks, gentlemen, for sharing uh, sharing your pain or others', others pain. There's, it makes for great stories. Uh, we just have a couple of minutes left. Uh, one thing we haven't mentioned, uh, is this production, I'm not sure exactly how they're handling it in Logan. Uh, the, I think before the show, uh, people can come up, and, and the pub is actually is a working bar there, and people can come up and... A drink with the cast, is that the case? Yeah, so basically, um, before pre-COVID, um, I don't know if, uh, if you've ever seen a show called Once, it's quite similar. You come up on stage and you kind of like experience the, what it's like to be in the pub. Similar to us, we, we have a working bar on stage and we have a barman, his name is Josh, and he serves you a drink, whatever that drink may be. Um, and you can sit with us and you can, like, chat with us until we're ready to start the show, basically. But because of COVID, unfortunately, we can't do that anymore. So what we do now is we have um, we have paddles. Basically, they're like um, they're like rowers for a, for a boat. And they have three holes in, in each paddle. And we can slot down drinks into um, said paddles. And we, we don't leave the stage, but we can now at least kind of try to interact with the audience and try and we can go a certain distance with the paddles into the audience and people can take the drinks themselves from the paddles. So they're, they're not experiencing what the show is in full because of COVID, but we're still we're, we're, we're letting them experience um, something uh, with the paddles and, and, and still being able to pass out some drinks and stuff. Yeah, yeah, interactive as we can. Uh, and I am uh, understand with the, the show here in Logan, uh, the... The, the city owns Ellen Echoes Theatre, so can't serve alcohol, but I understand the audience is going to get some uh, 
root beer. So it'd be yeah, del- root delicious. Beer. Yeah, exactly. Very good. Well, we reached the end of our uh, time here, um, and uh, we'll look forward to the show. Uh, Mark Irwin, who plays the romantic in the Choir of Man, has been with us. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, Jalil Burke, who plays the pub bore in the show, has been with. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tom. And Ed Tunningly, who plays the beast in the Choir of Man, has been with us. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Have a good day. Uh, that is on Saturday, the Choir of Man, Cash uh, Valley Center for the Arts at the Ellen Echoes Theater. Um, and you can get tickets by going to cacharts.org, cacharts.org. Let's uh, go out before we go to um, uh, Leo T. and uh, Skywatcher. Let's go out with just a little more music here from, uh, from the show. Because I would walk five Look up, look around, look out. Skywatcher Leo T here. Get up in the early morning with a hot mug of your favorite morning beverage about an hour or so before the beautiful sunrise. In the southeast, see if you can spot Mars and Big Antares. They're gradually getting higher in the brightening dawn. This is a pretty rare sighting of the meeting of the red show-offs. Antares means the rival of Mars in ancient times because the red giant looks so much like Mars from Earth. Check the star map from Sky and Telescope on the Skywatcher Leo T Facebook page and all resources for this segment. Enjoy the morning ornaments. Also in the night sky, Comet Leonard is putting on a final spectacular display with its eye on tail in the solar wind. Discovered only a few months ago, the comet made its closest approach to Earth on December at the climax of a month of full observing opportunities in the morning, and then became visible after sunset and faded, but as the comet continued to speed through the inner solar system, its tail has morphed into a twisted streaming streamer type of thing as the core of the comet becomes brighter and hopefully unleashes an outburst or two. As the comet blazes out across the solar system, see if you can find it with binoculars in the southwest. Right below Jupiter and Saturn. Let me know if you find it. See a great photo from above Australia on the Skywatcher page. And an exciting space exploration. The launch by NASA of the James Webb Space Telescope on Christmas Day was an amazing event itself, as previously mentioned. And the challenge is presented to get the delicate rocket assembly to an orbit way beyond the moon. Webb is currently on a 29-day trip to its observing spot known by scientists as Lagrange Point, almost a million miles from Earth. It is the largest and most powerful space telescope ever launched on a mission to study the earliest stars and peer back further in the universe's past than before. The craft at the time of this writing is 605,000 miles from Earth on January 5th and deployed its secondary mirror in microgravity and in extremely cold temperatures and ultimately had to work the first time without air. And it did. Way to go, NASA, European Space Agency, Canada, and about 23 other countries working together on this. On Skywatcher Leo T, it's one sky, many cultures. Aboriginal Australians give the name Dreamtime to the era when ancestral figures created our present world. They call their tales dreaming stories, and they believe that these stories give meaning to special places and creatures that are still with us. One of these is the Emu in the Sky, a constellation comprised of shapes formed by darker areas of the southern Milky Way. Dreamtime stories like the one of the emu in the sky are amongst the most cherished. 
The Australian celestial emu stretches over a quarter of the southern sky from the head to a dark spot called the coal sack through the southern cross, then across the dense dark region of the Milky Way to Scorpius, which outlines the body of the huge emu, and on to Sagittarius, where a bright star cloud represents the egg that the emu sits on. So keep the imagination flowing, look up, look around, and get lost in space. Skywatcher Leo T. On UPR, the translator station statewide and streaming live. I'm Stephen Dubner. On the next Freakonomics Radio, a conversation with the Nobel Prize winning economist Richard Thaler. Warning, he can be a little touchy. Touchy? You call me touchy? We talk about why there's so much work for behavioral economists like him. There's so much low-hanging fruit because so many things are done so stupidly. That's next time on Freakonomics Radio. This morning at 11 on UPR. Utah Public Radio is broadcasting in Spanish on a new channel. You can hear a variety of music and talk programs in Spanish from Radio Bilingue on UPR. You can hear it 24 hours a day at upr.org. Just click on Listen Live and then press the UPR 3 button. Utah Public Radio está transmitiendo en español en un nuevo canal. Puede escuchar una variedad de programas musicales y de charlas en español de Radio Bilingue en UPR. Puede escucharlo las 24 horas del día en upr.org. Simplemente haga clic en Escuchar en Vivo y luego presione el botón UPR 3. You're listening to Utah Public Radio, statewide service of Utah State University and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences. KUSR Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, KUST Moab, KCEU Price, KUSU FM Logan, also heard at upr.org.